Lord willing, we will. Uh, but Psalm 19 is actually one of my favorite psalms to preach through because of uh, there's so much there, and it's an encouraging psalm. It's one that really draws our attention to look to the Savior. And so Psalm 19, if you would, find yourself there. And uh, I know that many of you are serving in many ministries on Wednesdays, and so there are many who have not heard Psalm 19 maybe preached on or preached through. Uh, and some of you may have, but it'll be a good reminder for those who've already heard this and for those who haven't, I pray that it would encourage you. But look with me if you would. I want you to look with me at verse number 1 for just a moment, and then we'll pause and just give a little background into Psalm 19. This is a psalm that only has uh, 14 different verses. Now, if you were to go to Psalm 19, oftentimes whenever you think about certain verses, you say, you know what, I've never studied or I've never read through Psalm 19, but you've probably heard verse number 14 or you've quoted it or you've heard someone that has quoted it. And it says this in verse number 14 of Psalm 19, that the words of my mouth... And the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Sometimes when you think about Psalms and when you think about pastoral scripture, you might not even uh, realize that you have heard this Psalm mentioned, maybe not the entire Psalm, but maybe a verse. And so oftentimes verse number 14 is what is dealt with most of the time concerning Psalm 19. But look with me if you would. Because Psalm 19 is rich. Uh, there's much to be seen here. In verse number 1 it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. And so Psalm 19, if you were to go, it has been said that whenever uh, David is dealing with this psalm right here, a psalm of David, that he is contemplating the skies, the scriptures, and the soul. Now, each of those you find in this psalm because he begins to make a transition from each of these as he deals with uh, much of what's taking place here. But as you look and you see these things that are taking place, you begin to understand that the stars, if you will, the sky speaks of the glory of God. The scriptures, obviously, revealing the greatness of God and the soul begins to reveal the grace of God. That is what is seen in this psalm as you think about that, and that is something that we get to rejoice in. When you think about this psalm right here, you think about those stars and as you look outside you might walk outside just the other night as I let the dogs out for just a few moments to run around and I walked outside late at night it was quiet you couldn't hear anything you didn't hear any other animals you didn't hear anything at all there was a light breeze but as I looked up into the sky it was just pretty I think about whenever we go on vacation and we walk out onto the deck on vacation and you've got the water, you hear those waves, you see the sand down there, and you just can imagine the beauty there. And as you think about that, it begins to declare the glory of God. The Scripture is declaring the greatness of God. When you open this book right here, there's no way you can walk away from reading the Word of God and say, you know what, I don't have a great God. No, every time you read this, you ought to be, and you, I probably would imagine, walk away saying, man, what a Savior. What a God that we have. And in the soul, you think about our soul, you think about our lives, revealing the grace of God. Psalm 19 begins with creation and ends with the Redeemer. As you go through and you begin to study this psalm, there's a transition that begins to take place. In Psalm 19, it helps us to see the hand of God in creation, but also the heart of God in revelation. As he begins to help us understand that he is revealing some things to us, he is also the great creator. And so you begin to see his hand and his works, as the Bible says in verse number 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth his handiwork, beginning to see the hand of God. But also in verses 7 on down, you begin to see his heart. You know, it's, it's one thing, there are people that I have come in contact with, 
And every single one of us has someone like this in our lives where you know that they are a hard worker. You know that they are someone that is going to get the job done. But whenever you may have worked with that person and maybe you hadn't had a conversation up to that point, you just maybe have seen them working from afar. And then you begin to work with that person. So you begin to see not only that they are a hard worker, but then you begin to talk to them, you begin to hear their heart. That's why it's one of those things whenever you begin to, to think about prayer. Just the other night as I was, was at home, I told Kelly, hey, let's pray together for just a few moments. And the reason being is I like to hear what's on her heart. And she gets to hear what's on my heart. And as we pray together, you're able to hear those things. And as you think about the Word of God here, you begin to see that the hand of God in creation, but also the heart of God in verses 7 on down. Notice these words, the law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making the wise simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous all together. Much or more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. That statement right there, then, then much fine gold, speaks of something that is far better, if you would. And God's word is just that. It was one preacher who was dealing with this idea of the Savior and God Almighty. And he says, God Almighty writes with a pen that never blots. He speaks with a tongue that never stutters. And he acts with a hand that never fails. As you think about that in our own lives, as you open Psalm 19, there is so much there. And I do truly believe that we will not make it through this psalm because if we were to really take the time, you would be here for the next two and a half hours, at least. The kids are saying, please, no. And I already know, Miss Elise is having to, and Miss Michelle, they're having to fool with my son tonight, and he's going to ask in about 20 minutes, he's going to say, is he done yet? I already know it. We don't have that much time. Psalm 19, as you go through, you begin to see a couple of things. His law is perfect. As you think about that, that, that statement that is found in verse number 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. There's so much. And one preacher was dealing with this law and this, this psalm here, and as he was encouraging some people, and as I was reading some of the things that he was dealing with, he says this, His law is perfect, His testimony is sure. His statutes are right, His commandment is pure, His fear is clean, His judgments are true. And as you go through Psalm 19, it's as though as you're reading through this psalm that David is saying, Hey, I want to present to you God Almighty, Right here is He. And as you open the Word of God and you come to Psalm 19, as you look to the skies, you look to creation, you look around, you begin to see that even whenever it seems as though God is silent, He's still speaking through His creation. I love going on vacations and seeing different parts of the, the world. And then we had the, the opportunity last year for Kelly and I to go on our anniversary trip, and we were able to go to Colorado and see the beautiful mountains. I'll tell you what, it just doesn't get much prettier. Uh, the, those snowy mountains, as you think about some of the beauty there. I remember as we were going on one of the snowmobiles, we came to one of the peaks, and as we came to that peak, I, I just stopped for just a moment. I said, would you just look at that? I mean, it was just beautiful. You, you begin to see all of the white snow, and you see those, those peaks, you see those trees, and you see all of that, and we were able to go to one of the state parks, and as we walked into the state parks, you think about that, and, and, I, and I've been to Arizona. I love going to Arizona, and I, I think about the beauty there. Some people say Arizona is just desert. I love it. It's pretty. Uh, that heat is beautiful. That, it feels great. And you think about all those. There's no humidity. It's just a wonderful thing. And as I think about creation, as you go to different parts of the world, and as you just pause and you stop, I've seen pictures of certain places, and I say, man, what a beautiful place. That's creation. 
That's our God who created this. Notice with me, if you would, a couple of things tonight. Number one, we see the declaration of God's handiwork. If I could ever encourage you to praise the Lord, I would encourage you to praise the Lord often, but I would encourage you to praise Him for His handiwork. Sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes we just, uh, you know, we, we take for granted all that God has allowed our eyes to truly see. As you think about the things that your eyes have been able to behold, as I think about the mountains, I think about the ocean, I think about all of the rivers, I think about the Grand Canyon, I think about different parts of this world, and as I've, my eyes have been able to behold some of the most beautiful things on earth, I just think about it and I say, man, it just doesn't get much better than watching what God has created, seeing those things from my very own eyes. And we begin to see the declaration of God's handiwork. God in Scripture reveals Himself through the Bible. We see that He reveals His works through creation, but He also reveals His Word through revelation. And as you come through the Word of God, you open the Word of God, you see right here in the first couple of verses that He begins to declare and begins to acknowledge and reveal to us His creation through His handiwork. Notice what the Bible says in the first six verses. The heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words in the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run his race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it." And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Notice with me a couple of things concerning his handiwork. In the first two verses, you begin to see that his handiwork is a consistent handiwork. It's not something that is uncommon. It's not something that is inconsistent. It is a consistent thing. As you see right here, the statement in verse number 2, it says, Day unto day and night unto night. That is something that is not something that you shouldn't expect. You should begin to see... That across the board, our God is a consistent God. You think about growing up, and maybe some of you have grown up in certain homes and, and houses, and, and, and maybe you look back on your growing up and your childhood, and you say, you know what? I'm the oldest, and I seem to, to really have gotten in more trouble than my, my younger siblings. Anyone ever said that before? You, you felt as though you got in more trouble? And you would say, that was a little inconsistent. And the younger child saying, no, I just learned from all of your mistakes and knew what not to do. That's what the young, I know how it works. I, 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 I'm the middle child, so I've said both, you know. My brother didn't learn, or he did learn, and my, well, he really didn't learn, you know what. And he is the youngest. He got in more trouble than both of us. And so, uh, you know, that, that's, that's one of the things that we've said. But concerning consistency, our God is a consistent God. He says right here, day unto day, utter speech, and night Unto night showeth knowledge. That, that word or that statement, utter speaks, literally means of shouting, if you would. And you think about the, the, the consistency here, and you think about night after night and day after day in his revelation. The Bible goes on to tell us in Malachi chapter number 3, verse number 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. Consistent. Never changing. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Psalm 102, verse number 27, But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. Now this statement that you find here, that word uttereth again, uttereth speech here, is speaking of gushing forth, of pouring out, of bubbling up like a spring. The sky is not only speaking of the glory of the Lord, but it's literally as though it is shouting. You ever walk outside and, and you walk outside and you just begin to, to walk and you're, you're, you, might, you might begin to think about certain things or you're, you're walking out and you look up in the sky and it's as though it's just beautifully blue. And some days it's more vivid than others and you think, man, just the other night, Kelly and I were, 
were driving around town and the sky was beautiful. It had those different shades of pink and red as the sun was going down. It was just a beautiful sunset and we were driving through and she made that statement. And, and sometimes whenever those types of things, you know, people will grab their phone and they'll try to take a snapshot. Just the other day as I was driving from my house, I had to go to Publix for just a few moments and I went over to Publix and as I was walking in, it had just rained. And right over Publix, there was a big, beautiful rainbow. And it's just a reminder of God's handiwork, of his glory, of his beauty, if you would. Psalm 174 says, He telleth the number of the stars, he calleth them all by their names. You think about that. If God knows the name of every single star, then surely he knows your name. And what a testimony and what a reminder it is. Not only is it consistent, but it's also comprehended. In verse number 3 and 4, the Bible says, There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. And them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. Through nature, and, and, and as nature does not have a voice, it's still something that can be heard. You can still imagine as you walk outside, sometimes whenever you think about a child There are many times whenever I will just look at Jackson and I'm not saying anything, but I'm saying something. As a parent, you know that look and that child knows that look. And as you walk outside, sometimes you see that God's saying something even though you aren't really hearing that voice. You just can tell, hey, God's speaking. And so as you think about that, it's comprehended, but also you see that it's completed in verses 5 and 6, the Bible says, which as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run his race, His going forth is from the end of the heaven and is circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Notice that statement right there in verse number 6. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and is circuit circuit unto the ends of it. The sun rises and the sun sets. Nothing hinders God in His creation. And so what a beautiful reminder in Psalm 19, of the, 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 the declaration of God's handiwork and what He has done for us and what we're able to behold with our eyes. And you think about that. Sometimes we take for granted. I, I think about how many times whenever I've looked on something or been able to see the beauty of creation, and I wonder, and I, I almost am convicted sometimes when I take it for granted because how many people are not able to see? And you begin to think about that. Some people are blind and some people are unable to see. And as you think about whenever they're just standing there, and as they're just standing there, someone's having to describe it to them. Just probably about a year ago, a video was circulating. And it was a video of a a young young man, I guess is who it was. And his parents had gotten him uh, some glasses that would help him to see in color for the very first time. And you think about it, if you've seen that video, I mean, he was, he was stirred up. He was excited. He had tears coming down his eyes because he had never been able to see color before. And you think about that. And there's coming a day when we'll be able to behold our Savior and what a beautiful view that will be. And as you think about creation, you're able to see what he has already created. We see the declaration of God's handiwork. We see the description of God's heart in verses 7 on down. Notice with me again these verses here, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. You see God's heart and you begin to hear as the psalmist is penning these words, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making the wise or making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart, and the commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever, and the judge of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, in keeping of them there is great reward. We see the description of God's heart. 
Now, in this portion of, of the, the psalm here is my favorite portion. This may be where we just part tonight and finish out. And we might not get to the desire of God's helper concerning what's taking place there in the last couple of verses, speaking of the servant and what God would desire and what the servant ought to desire. Because in this hard, this, this portion of Scripture, the heart of this psalm, if you would, there's much to be seen here. And sometimes we could very well overlook these statements. There are so many statements in verses 7 on down to verse 11. Very simple statements, but very clear statements. You begin to see the power of His Word through these statements. Notice with me, statements like the law of the Lord. Words that are being used here beginning to deal with His power, such as law and testimony and statutes and commandments and fear and judgments. These are all words that are dealing with the power of His Word. When you open the Word of God, there's no way you can open the Word of God and say, hey, I can't see or I can't express or I can't understand the power of God's Word because it's right there in front of your eyes. And not only is it right there in front of your eyes, but as you read the Word of God, the Word of God begins to do a work within our hearts. There are times whenever you are sitting there and you'll, you'll be listening to the preaching of God's Word or you'll be reading the Word of God and all of a sudden the Word of God begins to do a work and maybe you're convicted at something. But then there's other times whenever you're reading the Word of God, or you're sitting in it on service, and all of a sudden the Word of God begins to do a work, but it's not a convicting work. It's a reminder of how great He is, and tears begin to maybe string down your eyes. You see, God's Word always does a work within our lives whenever we allow it to. If you walk into the house of God, or you open the Word of God, and you say, all right, Lord, let me see what you've got. Not a right spirit to enter into, not a, a right attitude to have when opening the Word of God, but you begin to see the power of His Word. There are some of the, the greatest revivals that have been taking place throughout history, and as you read those revivals, the, the stories of these, many of them have been accomplished because many people have gotten on their knees in prayer. But when the preaching of God's Word had taken place, there was no, nothing that you had to worry about as far as, you know, sometimes we will say, well, I don't like that preacher's style. I don't like that personality or whatever the case might be. But it didn't matter because when God's Word was being read, the hearts were being dealt with and the people that were listening to the Word no longer cared about the personality of the preacher. And they no longer cared about the style of the preaching because God's word was being preached. And as you think about that, when our hearts are prepared and the word of God is being delivered, it doesn't matter the style. It doesn't matter the, uh, the, 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 the personality. The, some of the greatest services I've sat in, a preacher got up and he preached with fire and he preached loudly and he preached with a voice that just continued to go further and further into the back of the auditorium. And I've also sat in services where the preacher would get up and he was a soft-spoken preacher. You sat there and you said, man, did you get that? I've walked into the dorm before and people would say, hey, man, what, that, was, that was a boring service. So that was a boring. And I'm thinking, man, did you miss all the wisdom in that message? And did you miss all of the truth in that message as you were sitting there? Did you not open your Bible and see what he was speaking on? I've listened to services like that and it didn't matter about the personality. It didn't matter about what the preacher was like. No, it just mattered that he was delivering the Word of God. And the law of the Lord is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure. The statutes of the Lord are right. The fear of the Lord is clean. The judgments of the Lord are true. All of these words speak of the power of God. You see not only the power of His Word, but also the quality of His Word concerning these verses here. And notice these words that are being... Uh, used here. I've got them circled in my Bible because I like to keep everything color coordinated whenever I'm dealing with things and trying to understand this. And so, for instance, the power of his word, I have those words circled in black. The, the quality of the word I have in red here, and these words are perfect, sure, 
right, clean, true, and righteous. All of these are speaking of the quality of God's Word. These are things that begin to describe the heart of God, but it's the Word of God that's being delivered to us. It's a, it's a perfect Word. It's a sure Word. It's a right Word. It's a clean Word. It's a true and a righteous Word. It's the quality. And what a, what a, a precious thing that we have to hold every single day of our lives. There are books that I have in my office, in my study, where I'll have to chew the meat and spit out the bones. What that means is you chew the truth and you spit out the junk, if you were to say it that way. You don't keep the mess, but you keep the things that would be a blessing and a help to you. But when you open the Word of God, can I remind you that there's no mess, there's no junk, it's all pure, it's all wonderful, it's all something that you can open and say, hey, I can take everything from this book right here. I don't have to worry about spitting out the bones because there are no bones, it's all meat. And you think about these words, perfect, sure, right, clean, true, and righteous. You also see the purpose of His Word. The purpose of His Word are words and statements like this, converting the soul, making wise the simple, rejoicing the heart, enlightening the eyes. These are things that are being desired here, the purpose of His Word. They're things that are trying to accomplish, if you were to say it that way, converting the soul. Speaking of helping us to see our need for the Savior, making wise the simple. Hey, not all of us are the smartest people in the world. I get that. I'm, I'm one of them. I'm not very smart. But hey, when I open God's Word, the Word of God can really do a work and remind me that, hey, it's not about me. It's all about Him. When you yield yourself to the Word of God and you say, Lord, help me to understand this, He can help you to understand some of these things. You see the words and statements like rejoicing the heart and enlightening the eyes, the purpose of His Word. But then I want you to notice with me the duration of His Word. Notice with me, if you would, the statement that is found here in verse number 9. It says, The fear of the Lord is clean. Notice this next statement. Enduring forever. Enduring forever. I dealt with this in the Sunday school hour for just a few moments, but whenever you think about the Word of God, the reason the Word of God is something that even throughout all the ages has been so applicable. You think about people that were in the 1900s or the 1800s or whatever the case might have been as they they were opening and reading the Word of God. It's something that is always going to endure. You know, there are some things that I, I wish that I could pass down to my children. You know, some things are inherited, some things, you, you, you know, you think about their genes and it's just kind of something that, is, that becomes natural to them and certain things like that. And as I think about the materialistic things, there are some things that I may be able to pass down to my children, such as certain books or, you know, there, there might be certain things concerning, hey, I want you to keep this little document right here. This is something that's been passed down. I'll pass my, my grandfather's Bible down to Jackson one day. But if there's one thing that I could help my son and my daughter and my children to see one day is this. Hey, I want to pass down to you just how good God is and how His Word endures. And hey, this Word that I hold is a Word that endures. And so as much as I can get from this Word, you can get something from this Word as well. Helping them to understand that, hey, I have to also make sure that it's personal to me. The description of God's heart. You see, every single one of us this evening, we want our heart to be seen by our children. We want our children to catch our vision and catch our heart and say, hey, this is something that matters to mom and dad. This is something that they care about. This is something that they're concerned with. You know, children catch on very quick. As as they're young and they begin to take notice of mom and dad, they'll begin to ask questions. And Jackson watches my every move. He's always paying attention to dad and he wants to be just like dad. Holly wants to be just like mama and she, so she notices those things. And so we have to ask ourselves, what are the things that we're passing down to our children that they're catching? 
Are they catching the importance of God's word and not only that his handiwork is something that we should rejoice in, but are we catching that, hey, we begin to see God's heart in the word of God and because God desires that we would be children that portray Jesus to this world, are we also displaying God's heart through our own lives? If you think about that, just earlier as we were walking in, uh, the, the Meadows kids and the farmer kids right here were standing here and they were just randomly singing. We were all in the back there and they just start busting out singing. June Ansley started singing one song. Holly started singing, Oh, How I Love Jesus. Jackson was holding a mic, just kind of jibber-jabbering. But you think about that. I hope that they grow up and they see the need and they see the desire and they have a burden just to, to serve the Lord. As you think about that picture right there, as I was standing back there, I was thinking about, man, the teenage years are going to be here before we know it, and what are they going to be like? They're going to be here before uh, Brother John and Miss Elisa know it before us, and so they've got to endure it before we do. But, you know, and, and, but what, a, what a day that will be whenever our children are up here singing, and you think about it, some of your children are already doing that. What a blessing. Just a couple of weeks ago, as Brother Tony and I were standing in the back before the service had started, he was talking about not wanting to miss church services because of what God is doing in our church. He said, for instance, he said, look up there right at this very moment. This was on a Thursday night. He said, we've got a 12-year-old right at this very moment playing the piano for one of our services. Well, what a blessing that is. And you think about those types of things, and, and, and whenever our children begin to serve the Lord, that's something that you can rejoice in because, hey, they've caught it. They've seen it. They've understood the importance. Can I share with you that any time that you place an emphasis on the Word of God, on the house of God, on prayer, on Bible reading, on a personal relationship with God, it's an investment that is well worth it within your life and within your family's life. You see these statements that are being made, and that statement in verse number 9 when he says, Enduring forever is a statement that we must rejoice in. Verse number 10 says, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, then much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. There are some things that we all desire, but we must ask ourselves this question, do we desire the Word of God above all? Whenever you walk into the house of God, I pray that it is your prayer that you rejoice in the opportunity to fellowship, that you rejoice in the opportunity to hear the hymns and sing the hymns and, and all of the things that go on, but that when you walk into the house of God, like the book of Nehemiah reminds us, that if you don't get the word of God, then you are displeased because you want the word. And I, look, I rejoice in the precious hymns. I rejoice in the activities. I rejoice in, in the children on Sunday nights walking up and giving an offering. I rejoice in all of those many things. But one of the things that I love is whenever I'm sitting there, when I have the opportunity to preach, just preaching the Word or listening to the Word of God being preached. I rejoice in that. And so the Word of God is something that you begin to see God's heart in verses 7 on down. Now, we don't have time to elaborate on all of these this evening but as you think about His Word, in verse number 7, we see that His Word is perfect. His Word is perfect. The Bible says the law of the Lord is perfect. That word law speaks of shooting an arrow. It's something that is straight. It's something that's not something that is going to be inconsistent. It's not going to be something that is off just a little bit. You know, it's not something, as you think about uh, mankind, as we flow with the, 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 the world and we kind of just go sometimes and we drift with the world. It's not like that. No, it's speaking of something that is strict. It's speaking of something that is narrow, that is, that is right on line. And there's no worry about it. There's no concern about it. It's always going to be the same. The law of the Lord is perfect. As you think about that, His Word is perfect. That word convert speaks of to bring or call back from wandering, to revive, to restore, if you would. And so as you go on, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul 
The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Not only is it a perfect word, but it's a practical word. That statement right here, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. That word testimony speaks of, it speaks of a testimony, our testimony of who God is in our lives. The word sure that is found here in verse number 7 speaks of something that is confirmed. It's reliable. It's worthy to be followed. It's something that is practical. It's something that's understood. It's not something that's confusing. It's not something that you have to worry and say, hey, how can I understand? No, it's understood because it's so practical within our lives. Not only is it practical, in verse number 8 we see this, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It's also pleasant. When you open the Word of God, it's not something that should be of drudgery. You shouldn't dread listening to the preaching of God's Word. You shouldn't dread opening God's Word, but you should say, oh, man, I get to read God's Word today. Oh, man, what a, what a message from God's Word that I've been able to see with my own eyes. What a, what a powerful verse. What a statement in Scripture. What a reminder of how good God is. It's a pleasant word. Verse number 8 reminds us also as it says this, The Lord is pure. Speaking of the commandments. It's also a pure word. The word commandment speaks of that which is appointed. The word pure speaks of clear. It speaks of clean, sincere, if you would. And so all of these many things that you find in these verses are things that we ought to take into consideration. Verse number 9, the Bible says, For the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. It's a permanent word, if you would. There's, it's not going anywhere. And it's also a precise word, if you would. In verse number 9, it says, The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And you see, tonight, this is why, for instance, we were here for three weeks because there's so much in this psalm. I'm trying to fit it all in for you tonight. But there's so much in Psalm 19, and sometimes, as I was dealing with this in Psalm 23 this morning, Psalm 23 is six short verses, but there's so much more than just those six short verses. This morning, we looked at the ten different titles that are found concerning Jehovah in Psalm 23, and you begin to see certain statements in Psalm 23, and so sometimes we would... We would be uh, tempted to say, well, it's Psalm 23. It's a psalm for comfort. It's a psalm that, you know, you'll read at a funeral. It's a psalm that if you're going through a troubled time that you, you read. No, 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 no. It's a psalm that whatever season of life we're in, you can find yourself saying Psalm 23 is for me. Psalm 23 is one, but also Psalm 19, as you walk through this, we see in the first couple of verses that his handiwork is declared, but also we see his heart is described. And I want to remind you concerning the Word of God, it's been said many times, but either this book will keep you from sin or this sin will keep you from this book. The choice is ours, though. You know, sometimes, and I I shared this a while back, probably some months ago, but I no longer, and maybe this is something that I have to reevaluate. I don't believe that I do, but if the Lord reveals it to me, I will. But I don't blame other people for other individuals' mistakes or their, their decisions that they make. For instance... If Jaden were to, to go and to do something tonight that he knows he's not supposed to, and he were to walk in and say, hey, well, my sister made me do it. No, 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 no. You decided to do it. You see, I wouldn't blame his sister. I would blame him. I'd say, that's a, that's a, you made that decision. The same in my own life. If I make a poor decision, then I, know, I have no right to say, well, so-and-so made me do it. No, they didn't make me do it. I chose to do it. And you think about the Word of God this evening. As the Word of God is being dis- declared and the heart of God is being described here in these verses. This book will keep us from sin or sin will keep us from this book. That is a, a, a statement that has been made for years by so many different individuals. The Bible reminds us in 1 Peter chapter number 2, verse 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. Can I remind you in verse number 10 as it says this, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, 
than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb, that you ought to desire the word of God. You also find in Psalm 119, verse 72, the law of thy mouth is better unto me than a thousands of gold and silver. Psalm 119, verse 103, how sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Gold is good. Uh, It's a good thing. Gold is great. Fine gold is better, but much fine gold is the best. And you think about that statement right here, as he says, then much fine gold. It's a better thing. And you think about the Word of God, and in verse number 11, as you continue reading on down, verse number 11 says, Whereover, by them is thy servant warned. That word warned speaks of being instructed. And so in Scripture, we're finding that those times in which we're warned, it is a warning, but it's also an instruction. God will never give us a warning without telling us how to abide by what He would have for us to do. It's not as though God's going to say, hey, you need to do this, and you say, well, how do I do that? And then God says, well, you're just going to figure it out. No, He always gives us the, the way to do it. And so in verse number 11, He says right here, Moreover by them is thy servant warned, it's instructed, if you would, and in keeping of them there is great reward. God's Word is something that we ought to desire. It constrains us. It restrains us. It explains us all that God has for us. It, it helps us to understand that we need to maintain closeness to the Savior. It's something that sustains us in our walk with the Lord. And as you're going through difficult times, you'll find yourself saying, hey, I need an encouragement from the Word of God. And some word that you've hit in your heart will come to memory. As a child, I remember memorizing Scripture. And there are times in my own life whenever the Word of God will come back to my mind. And I'll say, you know what, I forgot about that. I needed that reminder. Thank you, Lord. There are times whenever there have been wise individuals that have been placed in my life where a statement has stuck with me and maybe I'll be going through something. I'll say, hey, so-and-so said this and it just resonates with me. And so as you think about the Word of God, as you think about Psalm 19, it's not just another psalm. It's a psalm that you begin to see that God is declaring His handiwork. He's describing His heart here. It's the psalm of David here. He begins to help us to see those things. But we close with this. Notice with me, if you would, verse 13 and 14. The Bible says, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Now the word that you find here, presumptuous sins, as we deal with this, this presumptuous sin, if you would, it's, it's something that we come to understand as he says, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion. He said, hey, don't go back to those things. Uh, once you, you've defeated it, run from it. As you think about sin, sin oftentimes will take hold over the child of God, but we ought to desire so greatly that God would work in our lives that we defeat those sins. We say, Lord, by the grace of God, I will not act in that way. I will not live in sin. But he goes on in verse number 14, he uses the word be acceptable. That word acceptable speaks of pleasure. It speaks of favor. It speaks of acceptance, if you would. And so we see the description of God's heart. We see the declaration of God's handiwork, but we see the desire of God's helper, the servant of God here. You see, if you want to be the Christian God intended you to be tomorrow, then you need to put yourself in a place today to be that exact thing. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, if you want to be faithful to the Lord, if you want to be a servant of God, then you have to be consistent. You have to be willing You've got to allow the Lord to prepare you and to guide you and to show you what He would have for you. A lot of times you think about the end goal, and every single one of us desires that we would see the end goal, but how many of us are willing to go through what we have to go to 
to get to the end goal. You think about championship teams and, and the hard work. There's a lot of people, whenever they say, oh, I would love to be on a championship team, but there's a lot of work that goes into being on a championship team. There's a lot of effort that goes on to a championship team. I remember in college, listen, I was never on a championship team in college, and a lot of work went into it. We had, we had to work at losing, y'all, all right? I remember the 5 a.m. practices where we would uh, get up in the morning and they, they have what was called a, a long tabernacle. And at the time, it was filled with uh, these little dust chips. And I remember our, our, our basketball coach's son was our, our trainer at the time. And it was probably, I don't know, uh, how many yards do you think it was, Brother John? 40, give or take, 50, somewhere around there. And we would have to do bear crawls all the way down and all the way back. How many of you have seen Mount Moriah? Any, any, I know many of you have, but some of you have. Mount Moriah, as you pull up onto the, the, the camp, there's a long hill that goes from the tabernacle all the way to the boys' dorms. And we would wake up at 5 a.m. and we would do that, and then he would have us be in the sand, and we'd be doing box drills and jump drills and all these many things. Our legs would be dying. And he had no mercy. I remember we had to do what well, we would we would sit like this, and we'd have to sit like this, and we'd pass along a... A, uh, about a 50-pound sandbag along our... We, you'd be standing like this. If you weren't standing like this, you were grabbing it and passing along. And as soon as you were the person that was at the end of the line that passed it, you would run. So not only were you passing it, but you were running to the other side. I remember walking in, and what they had, they had a little uh, a crown uh, bookstore is what it was. And I remember one of the, the, the days that we had done that, I remember sitting in one of the... the, the um, they had couches there. I remember sitting in one of the couches, and you know that feeling whenever your legs, it's one of those where to get in your vehicle, you had to do this right here, and you got, you know, one of those, and you got to get out. And I remember whenever we were about to start class, they said, all right, you ready to go to class? And it was one of these, you know, one of those to get up out. It was a lot of hard work. It was a lot of diligence, if you would, and we still lost. So imagine the championship team sometimes that put in a lot of work. You see, there's, there's a lot of work that has to go into being a faithful Christian. Those that you admire, the Christians of the, of the faith, you think about some of the great preachers that have gone on, you think about some of the great missionaries, you think about some of the, the ladies that have been used of God, or whatever the case may be, you think about the Elizabeth Elliots and, and all of those different ladies, you think about the Charles Spurgeons or the Billy Sundays or and modern day heroes of the faith even today, the Don Sisks and different missionaries that have been used of God, and you say, well, I want to be just like them. Well, then you've got to give yourself to God just like they did. You've got to give yourself to God's Word just like they did. You've got to invest in prayer just like they did. You've got to be a child of God that says, by the grace of God, I'm going to determine to be all that God would have for me to be. You see, it doesn't just happen if you were to say it that way. You say, well, I want to. Well, then you've got to work at it. And let me be honest with you. There's going to be some days where you're going to say, you know what, is it worth it? And it is. Your mind is going to be tempted. I know that they've done studies, and long before your body ever gives up, your mind gives up. If you can defeat your mind, then you can keep pressing on. And as you think about that, that is what has to take place in the Christian life as well. And so as you come to these words that are found right here, the desire of God's helper, the servant of God, he desires to be used. That word acceptable means pleasure, delight, favor, goodwill, acceptance. He desires to be used. To be the Christian you want to be tomorrow, you have to put yourself in the right position today. And so what is that in your own life? 
Do you need to view God for who He is once again? Maybe your view of God has been skewed. Maybe you've gotten away from really being amazed by God's handiwork as you walk out the doors. As you think about different parts of Clarksville, every single time that we go downtown and we're, we're driving past the river, I just love looking out that water. As we have gone to to land between the lakes and that area, I love just driving through. As uh, Brother Tim Treber was here just a couple of of weeks ago for our youth conferences, he was in the van. He says, man, I just love seeing the green trees. He's in Arizona. They don't see it often. He says, I just love seeing the green trees. I just love seeing all this greenery. And you're sitting there thinking, if if he's like me, I'm sitting there thinking, man, I hate trees. You know, I'm the complete opposite. I can't stand trees. The the leaves, the fall's coming, and I already know I'm going to have to clean up the leaves. But you think about that. But have we lost view of how great our God is? You walk outside tonight, just, just open your eyes and look up to the sky and say, man, look at that. As you are about to to go to bed, as you walk outside, just walk out and don't say anything. Just listen and you can hear as God is reminding you just how great He is because His creation speaks. And you think about all of what God's Word has to say. You begin to open God's Word and you see God's heart through Scripture. What He has for you. He reminds us on a daily basis of His love and His compassion. He reminds us of His mercy and His grace. He reminds us of His long-suffering and all of the many things that He would have for us to understand about who He is. And can I remind you tonight, as we've heard before, but God is a personal God. So wherever you're at tonight, He knows where you're at. Just as He knows the names of all of the stars, He knows your name, He knows what you're facing, He knows what lies ahead, and He just desires to see it. And so Psalm 19 is another psalm in which we could take for granted. We could say, oh, it's just 14 verses. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. It's one of those where we just pick that verse and we just kind of miss all of the other things. But if you were to read verse number 1 on down, the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day and night utter a speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Verse 7 on down, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous all together. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honeycomb, the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. There's so much in this psalm. And don't be willing to dismiss these things. Go back and read it yourself and say, God, show me your glory once again. One of the songs that I listen to often, I close with this, is a song that is sung by a a trio. And the song, very simply, just continues to say these words, I want to see your glory. I want to see your glory. Show me your glory. And it would do us some good sometimes to go back to that, that place and that mindset and say, God, show me your glory. God, I want to see you for who you are. I want to see you how powerful you are. I want to see how wonderful you are, Lord. Show me how magnificent you are, Lord. Through your word, show me, Lord. Through your creation, show me, Lord. Through others, show me just how great you are. And he'll do just that. Lord, we do thank you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you tonight for those who are able to be here. We thank you for those who are joining us online. Lord, I pray that you would help us. Lord, I love Psalm 19. And Lord, I know we sped through it tonight for sake of time and Lord, we're praying for those who are unable to be here. Lord, we're praying for those who are not feeling well, those who are traveling. I pray that you would keep them safe. 
I pray that you would be with the next couple of days. Lord, I know a lot of families have three-day and four-day weekends. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bless that time with family and friends. But, Lord, tonight we're asking you to reveal yourself once again unto us. Show us your glory. Help us to rejoice in your beauty. Lord, as we think about creation, Lord, as all the things that we are able to behold with our eyes, Lord, help us not to take it for granted. As we walk outside to look up into the sky and say, man, my God created that. As maybe we go to other parts of the country and we see the mountains, we see the, the valleys, we see the peaks, we see all of the different things, I pray that you'd help us to rejoice in your creation. Lord, as we see your heart in Psalm 19 and all throughout the Word of God, I pray that you would help us to be reminded of your heart. And Lord, may we not only see your heart, but Lord, may we desire that we would have the heart that you would have for us to have. Lord, that through us, people would see you. And Lord, that as we understand just how perfect your Word is, Lord, we'd hide it in our hearts. And Lord, we memorize the Word of God and we'd find ourselves quoting it and, and sharing it. Lord, your ways are perfect. Help us to rejoice in that. Your law is perfect. Help us to take heed. As we understood that statement warned there, speaking of the instruction, Lord, we've all been warned. We've all been instructed. And so, Lord, help us to be diligent in being the Christian we ought to be. Lord, as we've understood and heard these things, I pray that we would apply them. Take this invitation. Use it the way you see fit. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.